NCX Group, the leader in information security consulting, is proud to present Bite Size Security. Here now is NCX founder and CEO, Mike Fitzpatrick. Merry Christmas, happy holidays from everybody here at NCX Group and Bite Size Security. I'm uh, really excited uh, to have uh, our, our guest today, my friend and uh, somebody that I really respect and look up to. Uh, we met probably, I think, about 14 years ago now uh, when he uh, published his first uh, uh, research project on the cost of a data security breach. And uh, man, that was, that was gold. It was the most incredible information I had ever seen in the early days of cybersecurity because it put a price tag on the cost of a data security breach. With that, I want to introduce my friend and guest, Dr. Larry Poneman. Larry, how are you? Oh, Mike, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for the invite and that very kind introduction. Well, it's hard to believe that that uh, you know our history goes back that far, <laughs> as far as far as that that initial report, and then the UCLA UCLA breach right after that, and the the initial radio show that I was doing at the time. So, I mean, it's it's great to have gotten to know you and Susan uh, through the years. So, I'm 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 excited that you're able to do this and share some information uh, with the audience. Uh, as chairman of the Poneman Institute, tell us a little bit about the Poneman Institute and what, what its function and purpose is. Right. Well, you know, we are a research company primarily, and we are focused on certain topic areas, but they're all related to cybersecurity, data protection, privacy, and other related fields. Um, we basically maintain a structure in the research that we do that allow us to do surveys at a very large scale, globally in many cases, uh, to do field-based research, or do benchmarking of, or, of organizations, cost studies like our cost of data breach. It's hard to believe it, but we're still doing it. <laughs> it's still fully uh, funded by IBM, so thank you, IBM. Uh, so we do a number of issues. We do about 80 titles every year. It keeps us pretty busy. We're a relatively small company, but we have a I'm very proud to say a great reputation in this space. Well, I mean, I, I refer to you, I refer to the Poneman Institute as the gold standard uh, for all things, uh, all trends and research related to cybersecurity and data privacy. And I'm, I'm just honored to be a, a distinguished fellow of the Institute. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I value that greatly. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's just, it, it is an incredible group uh, and the people that are part of it, um, the the things that I learn um, from being involved and participating at the conferences is just is just fantastic. Oh, thank you. It's, it's a two-way street, Mike. You know, we basically view our fellow community as our crown jewel. These are the best and brightest people in that space, and obviously including you. So we are delighted to have you as a distinguished fellow in the Institute. And hopefully this relationship will continue for many moons. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly so. I mean, this is, no doubt, this has been a 
challenging year for everyone uh, related to COVID-19, the shutdowns, and now the, the, you know, the move to uh, everybody working remotely. Um, I mean, we're, we're being asked to do things with technology that we've never even contemplated. I, I mean, with some of the pandemic planning and some of the business continuity planning that we do, there's never been a plan for, okay, in 24 hours, we have to set up everybody overnight working remotely. Go. Um, there's no plan for that. There's, there's part of, you know, there's plans for disruptions here, disruptions there, but no one's got a plan for everybody working remotely for a year or two years or however long this is going to be. Uh, so with that in mind and, and um, uh, what uh, we're experiencing these days, um, you know, I sat in on a few uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers CFO conferences related to some of the things that they were seeing uh, related to, you know, cuts CFOs were making. So at the top of the list is real estate. Uh, they're seeing that remote workforce is working from a business productivity standpoint. I would argue that. Um, but some of the things that they were seeing, so I was really uh, piqued and piqued my interest with a recent study that uh, the Poneman Institute has just uh, authored and um, released to the world on remote workforce. So, what was the emphasis of that study? What what was what brought? Was it just the curiosity? Yeah, great question. I, it's a number of factors, and those are kind of the reasons for doing the, the research. What, number one, and probably the most important factor is, as you mentioned, the sudden dramatic change in the way we work. You know, twenty-four hours to redefine your workspace and. There's all about companies that are Fortune 100 kind of companies, talking about thousands and tens of thousands of employees, and the things that happen just so incredibly fast. And just as a novice looking at it from a psychological perspective, it's it, it, we said, you know, this is going to be big, in some ways very beneficial, especially during the, the pandemic. But it's also going to be very costly in terms of changing the way we think about our life, how we do our work how we share the work product that we do, uh, and then, of course, having security and privacy as, as a core. Um, so that's the reason for the research. And we're still doing more research around telework. Um, some of it is very positive, but again, unfortunately, it's a big issue when there are people, organizations that take advantage of folks who are working from a home environment. If people are working from a home environment, it may not be is knowledgeable on security or privacy control. And as a result, bad guys could take advantage of the or use it. That's another study that we're doing. So we think it's the impact can be enormous. Well, I think, I think that's going to be uh, a really interesting companion piece to this. Now, this study, as, as I went through and I was reading the detail of it, it, it seemed to be since everybody was at home, you you got a larger cross section of people to interview or or take the survey this time. Right. Yeah, we basically have um, because we needed to make sure that our sample was representative of the population at large. 
and who are the people affected by telework is there are people who aren't necessarily securing your IT agents who basically have your background in marketing and accounting and all these other fields. And so there's a lot of a big burden on people having to learn more new things and you know, change the way they're doing things. And we basically felt that if this is going to really solve um, some ways in a very positive, but I mean, the issue isn't complete for the negative. The security issues are very serious, but there's a way to do things that can make this a more secure, uh, more enjoyable environment. You know, a lot of us get a little nervous when we're on a conference call and the dog starts barking in the background, as you probably heard a couple of minutes ago, <laughs> or a baby's crying, or you know, your neighbor is turning up the, the radio and they're listening to someone else's program. You know, these kind of issues do affect work, but for the most part, you get away well, I know, I know from personal experience with a friend of mine, his, uh, his company, he's got 900 employees and he's got a, uh, another business venture that does funding for his subcontractors. Uh, basically they were hit with a email, uh, a business email compromise and experienced, um, you know, fraud for about $23,000. So you have some, wow. you have some of that that's really on the rise and increasing uh, as a result of this. So let me ask you this. What was the most surprising finding in the report to you? You know, I think the, the number one finding that was probably the most serious was the fact that so many people are working from a home environment they receive very little training from their host company. In other words, the company said, you know, can you work from home on Tuesday, which, you know, Monday? Uh, and, you know, here are the files that you can access from your home computer or your, your company-assigned laptop. And there was very little instruction. People were just kind of given this minimal amount of information to kind of figure things out for themselves. And interestingly enough, these are organizations that are, you know, think about things I mean, definitely the phishing attacks have increased. I mean, the ransomware, the phishing, um, you know, the, the, the difficulty is that from my experience in the trenches, uh, cybersecurity typically from an assessment standpoint always follows behind IT. But the problem is IT has never settled. They're constantly making changes right now.
you know, practically maybe your home because, you know, in some ways you wake up in the morning, you don't have to put on a business suit, you know, you don't have to shave. It's going to be gross. You can't go to a restaurant anyway, so forget about that. Exactly. Um, as long as the guy wears pants during the uh, during the Zoom call, I think we're all okay. I think this has happened to most of us. Like, for example, I've done a lot of Zoom, uh, Zoom call uh, meetings and, and so on. And, you know, you wear a nice shirt, maybe even put on a tie. But if you get to put on your dress black, you, you know, you would just sit there in your underwear. Exactly. Of course, the camera. <laughs> and whoops, I'm sorry about that. So it's probably happened to both of us. And at this point, I'm not embarrassed. It's, it's, it's the reality of a new world. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely different. You know, it's, um, you know, I, I had, I think this year, this, uh, 55 or 60 speaking engagements that were canceled as a result of, uh, COVID. And that has now prompted the development of a home podcast studio. Uh, in order to be able to communicate and at least help some of these small businesses that are that are out there that are really struggling with this, I sat in. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Vistage, right? The CEO group. Yeah. So, so I I was asked to set in on one of these Vistage CEO peer to peer groups, uh, early days of COVID, and maybe answer some cybersecurity uh, questions. One of my friends is a chair for uh, this uh, CEO pod. And uh, it was it was truly interesting and insightful. There's so many people that think that CEOs are really uh, grateful for um, COVID to a certain extent because they can reduce costs and they don't have to have employees in the office and, you know, that they're only thinking about the money side of it. The thing that was interesting takeaway from that particular session was the discussion around two elements. One of the businesses in the room had been in uh, business for 18 years in the hospitality space and in a matter of a month, of month, month, month and a half of COVID, he was gone. He was out of business, completely gone. Um, it's just devastating. Uh, the other side of this that was really abundantly clear in setting in that group is how much these CEOs, and, and I mean, most people don't realize that CEOs and leaders of organizations are kind of isolated to begin with because you can't just be a, a you know a regular guy a regular person within the company you you've got roles and responsibilities and and sometimes that separates you from those around you to a certain certain degree and it especially as CEO it can be a lonely existence and um, the thing that the CEOs in this particular group were discussing is just how isolated they feel because they can't just have the casual conversation with somebody as they bump into them in the office or go, Hey, you want to go grab some lunch or just the, the spontaneity of it. That, that is far more, I, I think, uh, um, 
far more what leadership is feeling these days. I don't know if that any of that came out in the survey at all. Yeah, great question. Um, you know, great comment, I should say. But, you know, we did see that. It wasn't actually one of the survey questions, but the debriefing respondents, you know, to really deeply dive in some cases, we saw the psychological issues as being enormous. What was the, one of the top negative aspects is basically exactly what you said, being disconnected. You're not, not being able to reach out and, you know, actually do lunch. <laughs> or have an in-person one-to-one meeting, or, you know, just brainstorm, use a whiteboard. Now, if you do this in a technical sense, you know, some of this collaboration can be done on a platform like Zoom and others, but it's not the same. And that isolation starts to step in. It becomes, I think, a very significant, has a very significant effect, negative effect on work, productivity. And so we're actually starting to see that. What we found is, and not a study in the benchmark before we did the study, kind of an interesting finding. Within the first three weeks of telework, we asked people to really to experience the positive negative scale. It was a little more complicated than that, but you know, it's just very simply, we had to put an X on a line from 1 to 10. So some people might say, my productivity is good. I'm going to put myself on a 7 or an 8, or a 9, or a 10, or my productivity is bad, 1, 2, 3, or 4. Um, and we found that in the first three weeks, people were rating their productivity about 7 plus, and the hundreds was an average. Now, about three months after that, still, still teleworking, that number was about 4 or mm. 5 in terms of productivity. And we actually did a test that was major published in the Wall Street Journal, and we found it kind of interesting. That even the, even those people who are really who are you know, going home initially and very positive to the idea of working from home, that essence they now realize in the, the long term this could be depressing. <laughs> Not as much fun as work used to be. No, and, and I, you know, I mean, you know, we've got a we've got a college age uh, son, and. Uh, uh, you know, the lack of being able to get the labs that he's needed because that requires being there in person um, right. to, to really be able to do hands-on and be able to work with colleagues and projects. And especially the, the you know, the relationships that you build in college, it, it's, it's difficult. So, you know, he's been home since uh, March. Um, and, uh, you know, it looks like... Uh, you know, next semester, spring semester is going to be remote as well. So it, it is yeah. it is challenging on everybody. Um, I think one of the the challenges that that I saw in the report or that you that that the institute did is uh, security budgets, IT security budgets, and expertise. You know, it says forty five percent of the respondents of the organizations. Their IT budget is adequate for managing and mitigating cyber risk caused by remote workers, but only 39% of the respondents ha- of their organizations had the expertise to manage and mitigate risk associated with cybersecurity. There, I know there's a lot more detail under that. So can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. Um, the general idea is that we all know we need resources to do security. Privacy to you know to basically do things that are 
absolutely essential from a sustainable sustainable protection perspective or you know, protecting our critical infrastructure. So the general view of respondents is that it's not enough. We need to do more funding. But it wasn't horrible. They gave us 45% response on a you know 100 point scale. Um, that's not a that's not a hugely negative finding, but it suggests that there should be more spending. Then we looked at what was actually done in terms of the allocation of budget, and there we saw problems that were much more significant. I think you said 39%. It was actually found that organizations weren't necessarily funding, or if they were funding, they were funding the wrong things. They were looking at more traditional workflow issues and thinking about building their security infrastructure and telework to resemble uh, what they've done as an on-premise or cloud environment. And things are not getting better, they're getting worse in terms of the ability to secure funding. So that, that continues to be a big, big problem. But you know, if we can go back, I want to tell you a story you mentioned your son. Yeah. I know he's doing well like for Nevada, as we call Reno. Right. Very good school. But, um, you know, my son got his PhD last year from Stanford in mechanical engineering, really smart kid. Man, <laughs> not a kid. <laughs> you know, he, 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 people who graduate the PhD go be a professor. So he had his first teaching thesis kit in Boston. He's never had to actually have a place that this needed. This is the Kentucky University that he works for. They do everything Zoom or Zoom-like and collaborate and does research with them. But he never physically traveled to the university. Wow. But that is so weird. <laughs> but that's the kind of the new normal. But it was kind of interesting that, it, that that doesn't bother him. What bothered him the most about the about the pandemic is you know you look forward to your graduation. You know, you know in his case, he went to school his whole life and his PhD. You know, at grade seventeen, you know, along his hall. But the, the school that had the Zoom graduation. Which I thought was pretty cheap, and I couldn't even get into the system. So that's another story. So it does change the way we think about work, and more importantly, how we live our life. It's not just a workflow issue; it's also a life issue in terms of how do we want to work and how how precise isolation can we take. You know, this is cruel punishment in some cases. So well. no, I was just gonna. I, I I was just gonna say. I mean, I'm I'm definitely concerned um, about the kids, and I know we're di- you know diverting a little bit from from IT, but you know, Larry, I got I got a couple of young men that I worked with from the time that they were six years old in in Scouts. Uh, both are both are Eagle Scouts. They're 17 right now, um, and they attempted suicide in the last three wow. months. Um, I mean, wow. th- this stuff is, is no joke. And, um, the mental health aspect of it, you know, definitely has a play in it. So for the, for the business leaders that are listening to this podcast, please do everything that you can to reach out to your people, touch base with them more frequently, make sure that they're doing well, make sure that they have what they need I know a lot of business owners are, are, are doing that uh, above and beyond, but 
it really is uh, critical uh, in this remote environment that is going to unfortunately continue for a while, uh, I'm afraid. So we have to we have to think outside the box. We have to think a little bit differently. We have to be a little bit more conch, uh, conscience conscience. I can't say the word today uh, of uh, of the people that uh, that we work with. And uh, so, you know, one of the getting back to, getting back to cybersecurity. How do you think 2021 will look? What do you what do you what are you seeing as trends and what direction this is all going? A great question. You know, recently we saw the win hack. Um, there are many other hacks that seem to happen on a routine basis. You know, it, it, security is not the invisible thing anymore. People recognize that to run a business of any kind, you need to have a level of security that is at least reasonable. You know, you can't have be perfect. Some of these hacks is that hit. Even great organizations are not doing enough to create a secure environment. So I think in 2021, there will probably be, unfortunately, this is my you know, projection and prediction that I'll only do this but I think, <laughs> I believe, that things are going to get worse. That there will be more hacks, more intelligent hacks that will result in information and electric property being stolen, being used. Uh, I think we're going to see more, I hate to say this, more nation state attacks because it's, you know, war can be fought in the, you know, virtual computer environment. Um, but it could be very damaging, very costly to an organization or, you know, the, the country as a whole. I think some of that will happen. I think that those people who are doing teleworking temporarily, many of those organizations are going to make it permanent because, as you said, the cost savings that we're going to suggest that working from a home office can be very healthy for your bottom line. Sick for the top line, but it's healthy and will create a positive impact. So the end result is we have to repair. My guess is in 2023, things will start to get back to normal. It won't be what it used to be, but it's going to be more interaction, less isolation. I think some of the, there's quite a bit of research that's being done on psychology, the cognitive, the ability that people are affected by isolation. And I think the more we deal with that issue, the better it's going to be for companies as well as whole countries. Well, I mean, it's, um, it, it, I mean, it, it is going to be a challenge folks in 2021. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If, um, you need to, uh, look at your security and, and, uh, again, I'm going to be posting a lot of show notes, a lot of additional resources, things that you can uh, do for free. And I mean, one of the things, Larry, that I want to do with this podcast uh, is really focus on, you know, what I call the fortune 5 million, the businesses with a hundred employees or less um, because they don't have the in-house expertise. They barely have full-time it most of the time. Um, You know, there's, I mean, those folks are the ones really struggling here. So if there were a couple of foundational ideas and areas that you think they should um, uh, focus on, what do, what do you think they should be? A great question, by the way. You're, you're really good at this. <laughs> That's one of the 
is, um, yeah, I think foundational. I think that from a, from a security slash technology perspective, there are certain tools that would really enable higher level of security that are for the most part invisible to like the end users. And so I'm a big fan of genomizing encryption. The encryption technologies, you know, have been essential in creating this dominant security environment. I think the breakthroughs in encryption and cryptological technologies, I think, will be very helpful for the teleworkers to maintain security. Um, I think having the ability to reach out to others in the organization, so, you know, even though it's a telework environment, more one to one interaction, you know, with people in your organization, bringing people together, you know, building a stronger, better infrastructure. I know I use Zoom quite a bit. It's great, but you know, a lot of these technologies are not all that reliable, or we're not used to it. It's, I think we talked about at the beginning of our conversation, you know, not going with, you know, what we're going to a, a nice sports coat and not wearing flats because no one's going to see you below the waist. Those things will change. We'll want people to, you know, feel like they are more in a more work related environment. So I think those kinds of things will be important. But that some of the psychological issues will probably have to be implemented in an organization-wide basis. You know, we'll call upon human resources and you know, other parts of the organization to get involved to ensure that there's a more secure environment. But it's not necessarily specific only security, but that's really other aspects of work. Well, Larry, thank you so much for the words of wisdom and everything that you do. And um, those are all the questions I've got for right now. I mean, we could do this another hour, but, you know, there's there's Christmas shopping that has to be done on my end. So, <laughs> so Merry, Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and Susan and the family uh, and happy holidays. Thank you, sir. Hopefully you have a blessed wonderful year and look forward to doing a part two you you bet we, we are going to do part two well ladies and gentlemen that's our our guest dr larry poneman from the poneman institute it's always a pleasure i just want to close today by saying again merry christmas happy holidays and happy new year to everybody out there from my family to yours uh, we really wish the best for you in the new year. We wish health and well-being and success. Let's move from survival mode to thriving again. With that, this is Mike Fitzpatrick for Bite Size Security. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Bite Size Security, presented by NCX Group. For the latest updates in information security, please visit our site, at ncxgroup.com. NCX Group can also be found on Facebook and Twitter as NCX Group. Thanks for listening. <laughs>